You can be seated. Thanks for being here. Wasn't that awesome to see those kids up here this morning? Very cool. And that's not even the whole crew. I was here Wednesday night, last few Wednesday nights, and it just spilled out over, so it's exciting to see that. So we're beginning a series called Parenthood over the next few weeks, and so we're going to be talking about parenting. And uh, some of you love the idea of parenting. Some of you, that brings great fear to you. I remember whenever Becky told me, hey, we're going to be parents, and the the enthusiasm, I went out and bought all the parenting books I could possibly buy because I wanted to be the perfect parent, and here I am. I'm the perfect parent. My kids will tell you I've never made a mistake. Um, it's just everything has been hunky-dory all the way around. No, just kidding. You're like, is he telling the truth or not? No, I really am not the perfect parent. All right? As most books you go out and you find, there's stuff you take and you choose and things that you would you like about something they're talking about, other things you don't. There's all kinds of principles out there. But what we try to do in our families, we try to be real and authentic. There's a lot of times we have to apologize as parents because we've done something dumb, and we learn in the middle of that, hey, that's probably not a good idea. And so we apologize, say we're sorry, and we continue to learn together. But being that real and authentic and saying, listen, what we're trying to do as parents is we're trying to pursue Jesus Christ as mom and dad. And as we do that, we're trying to parent you by these principles. This is the book that we're going to be living life by as best we possibly can. So this morning, in these next few weeks, we're going to be pulling principles from here, thinking about parenthood. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll be starting there. This is where the nation of Israel kind of laid the foundation for families and what it means. So we love that you bring your children to church. It's a great place. I mean, we offer some great resources. We have some other resources that will be coming even in the next month through the... um, through our library will become a home point, what we'll call a home point. We'll have resources in there for families of all ages, all different kinds of situations and issues and things like that that will also be in there. But also we will then begin to put it online. So if you're not able to, you can't always come by the church office or at 10 o'clock. There's sometimes life happens at 10 o'clock at house and you have something you're thinking about. And you can't come here to the church library resource center. You can download it from our website. So we're excited um, about providing that. But I love being a parent. I just love the idea. And so, I mean, we've got stories. We, got, we even had some friends over last night um, from Tyler, and we were talking. We were all kind of sharing stories. And Landon and Lauren are like, hey, tell the story of when this, and tell the story of this. And so we just, we, we laugh a lot in our house. And so, because uh, there's those moments where you could either laugh or you could cry. You've been there and you had those. And so one of our early experiences, we just had Lauren, and she was, um, we hadn't had a sick child yet. And so this is a moment where Lauren was really sick, and I mean, she was a baby, 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 and, and this was before those digital thermometers were really, really credible. You remember that? You kinda, they were promoting those things, but they are like, hey, do the real thing. And so Becky said, hey, the doctor said we need to do the real test for sickness. <laughs> Amen, my friends, yes. And so... She came in, and I was like, what does that mean? we got to put that thing on the forehead, behind the neck, or under the armpits? No, we got to go in. And I said, holy moly, okay. And so she was sick, you know, and so Becky's got that thermometer, and she's doing that thing, and I'm like, you know, I'm figuring this out. And so she, right about that moment when we were about to get an accurate temperature, And what was awesome to me was Becky was like really close. <laughs> and so being the wonderful parent that I'm at, I'm like, ah, that's awesome. Good job, Lauren. If she could have done high fives, we would have been high-fiving each other. And Becky's like, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, I told you she didn't want that. <laughs> and so it was just one of those moments. And then we had a time where 
Becky made a mistake and she left us for a weekend. It was me and Lauren and Landon. And I don't, have you left us since then? I don't think you've, so this, this one coming up. <clears throat> Landon was about two-ish. Lauren was, I don't know however old she was, five or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> so we were in the bedroom. And one of the things that we'd play with, with Landon was, called, it's kind of gruesome, but we called it Skin the Rabbit. And so it was, you're getting ready for bath time and all that different stuff. And so we'd like, ah, skin the rabbit. And he would start giggling. I was pretending like I would take his diaper off, right? And so usually when they do their stuff, it has a little smell to it. Well, this time he had done a surprise. <laughs> and so I was like, skin the rabbit. He's like, ha, 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 And I was like, oh, skin the rabbit. So Lauren's over there laughing. We're having a great time. Becky's about an hour and a half out. So I'm like, hey, I want to look like the perfect dad. That They didn't take showers all weekend, but they're going to get clean before she comes. And... <laughs> And they're gonna have they're gonna have a we're gonna have a pretend meal cooked you know not like we had been at McDonald's all weekend, and um, so we're like skin the rascal and finally so I was like, boom, flip that baby off and man can I tell you he had produced a nugget, <laughs> and it went flop and we had this beautiful popcorn ceiling and it was just like a dirt dauber nest. <laughs> and I wish that that was where all of it had gone because it just went everywhere. And so Lauren's going, oh, Dad, it's over here, over there. It's on the phone. It's like, boo. And I'm like, Mom's home in an hour and a half. And so after a couple of days, we got it all cleaned up. After a couple of days, I'd gotten up the courage to tell Becky what kind of happened. And then a couple of weeks later, she's lying in bed. We're talking, and she's like, there's a really clean white spot up there. I was like, yeah, that's about the spot. We thought about leaving it, but we decided not to. I mean, parenting is fun. Those are those moments where you're like, you can either cry or just move on. And parenting is a great responsibility for us. You've got to laugh. You've got to cry. As grandparents, I'm sure some of you are like, thank goodness we can get them all sugared up and send them on their way to others. Kids are changing, though, aren't they? Some of you, you grew up in a time in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and time is radically changing. Our culture is changing. Where do we find a source that gives us some credible evidence of what it means in an unchangeable principles, and it's found here? Dr. Spock. Some of you, you studied Dr. Spock and you knew him, not from Star Trek. Some of you have done Growing Kids God's Way. Some of you got the book of what to expect when you're expecting. Y'all have had that. Some of y'all have depended upon Oprah or Dr. Phil. Some of you love watching The View and getting ideas from there. Some Hollywood, some great movies. But listen, our priority as parents is this. Our number one priority is to gradually, intentionally transfer our child's dependence away from us to rest solely upon their faith in God. And I, I can tell you, it's a difficult thing to begin to think about when your children, you're going to leave the nest. Some of you have been there, you've done that, and the agony of what that means, and if, have I done enough? Have I done enough to get them out there? But our number one priority of all the things that we're going to be doing as parents, our number one priority is to gradually, intentionally transfer their trust from us so that it rests solely upon their faith in God. So this morning, let's look together in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And here Moses has just given the Ten Commandments, and so they've got those fresh in their mind. And so he's saying to them, listen, as we move forward as a nation, as we move forward as a people, here's the foundation upon which we're built. 
And like I said just a little bit ago, that the church has some great resources for you. Okay, the number one resource that we talk to you and bring to you is the Word of God to kind of encourage you in this because the home is the center point of where faith is taught and passed down. Now, we are in a culture that has abdicated our roles and our leadership in a variety of ways. And one of the main ways is we've done that is we're not passing down our faith. We're not being intentional in passing that down. And if we can be honest about it is because many times our parents and our grandparents didn't have an intentional plan for raising us up and teaching us the faith other than bringing us to church. Now, that's one tool. Okay, so one of the things, again, one of the reasons about HomePoint is to help resource you and to bring you confidence that you can pass on your faith, that you can delve into the Word of God. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. These are the commands of the decrees and regulations from Deuteronomy 5 that the Lord has commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land where you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all of his commands and all of his decrees, you will enjoy a long life. In other words, that as we, we do life together and we're struggling with this faith and figuring this out, is that there's this grace moment. And as I've learned, most of the bad stuff that I've failed at as a parent, my kids usually don't remember, which is those grace memories. But if that we're truly parenting and loving and in pursuit of loving our children and passing on our faith, then there's going to be a, a long life together that we're going to enjoy doing life together. Look at the next uh, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, hear the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. The number one principle for us in this passing on our faith is to show that we love our God, that we love our God with everything that we've got. Because listen, all of us in this place, we're in American culture, we want to provide something better for our children. And so it's a matter of what do we define as that? We're saying, hey, we grew up in this, this was our, our family situation, but we want to provide something better for our children. Maybe that means a better house. Maybe that means that they have a better allowance. Maybe that means they have a better, better school system. Maybe that means that you provide more books. Whatever it is that you've got, as parents, we always want something better for our children than what we had as kids. Kids who become active Christ followers have an influence from their parents and their grandparents. We've got some stats to show you. Mom and dad, if you're active in church and active in your faith, this is one of the things that's not just church attendance, but active in your faith as well, at 72%, I don't really like stats, but it kind of gives us an idea of most of your kids are going to engage in church and engage in community in that way once they kind of leave home. If it's mom only, it's only 15%. If dad gets involved, there's 55%. This is one of the reasons I want to show this is dads, we cannot abdicate our role as the leaders of the home because whatever the home situation is, homes are constantly changing. Dads, we cannot abdicate our role as to how important it is in leading our children into the faith because they're watching us and looking at us. And it's just how God has designed this thing to go. And if neither mom or dad, less than 6% are going to get involved. Did you know that in 2004, the seniors that are seniors today started school in 2004? doesn't seem that long ago, does it? But here we are. You know what started in 2004? Facebook. doesn't seem that long ago. Here we are. 2004, Facebook was started. Passion of the Christ was the blockbuster movie of the year. Again, it seems like not too long ago. And those students 
2004, every single day, there are almost 12,000 kids born in the United States. Out of those 12,000 kids, almost 3,500 of them will not graduate. 12,000 kids a day, 3,500 kids a day will not graduate. That's over a million, almost a million and a half kids that will not graduate high school. Over 2,000 of those 1,200 kids, 12,000 kids a day are going to report some kind of abuse and loneliness. And almost over 6,000 of those 12,000 kids admit that they have no engagement with church or church family or Christians at all in a day. So if 12,000 kids are born a day, over half of them are admitting they have no engagement with church and faith at all. We are losing the battle. And where are we losing the battle? It's not in our school systems. We're losing the battle at home. Because our homes are a mess, because of the struggles in our home, people are looking and saying, the faith that, you, that we claim that we have is not impacting the home. We've got to reclaim the home. Because of his research over the last few generations, Barna has concluded from what he's seen, by the time that a child is 13 years old, that what they believe at 13 is what they will believe when they die. That when a child reaches the age of 13, the basic way that they do life and the way that they think about life, all that has kind of been, been, we're seeing that at 13, all that stuff has kind of gelled together and that is the way that they perceive the world. That is why it is vitally important for us as parents and a church to invest heavily in children and in students. Because if we don't do that, we're going to continue not to just lose, but it will look like other parts of the world that have no idea who Jesus is. And if you have experienced who Jesus is and what he can do in your own personal life and what he can do at your home, there's no way that we can let other people go without Jesus. Because some of you have done life and done home life without Jesus. And it's radically different. We talk about it at our house quite a bit. Our normal at our house is not normal. One, because we're pastors. Okay? But even more than that, we're trying to pursue Jesus. And so in our pursuit of Jesus, there's some things that we do and we don't do that is not normal. And the way that we talk, the way that we do things is just radically different because Jesus' lifestyle is upside down from the way the world and culture teaches us. Church attendance is one way, one resource that we have at Passing on the Faith, but at home, do it. One of my favorite things that we've done, we haven't done it most recently, but one of the things we have done for a long time is at night, about 9 o'clock at bed or whatever bedtime was, our kids would hop up on the bed and we would just talk and do life, talk about Bible, talk about what happened throughout the day. And it, it, inevitably, someone would toot, someone would burp. And, but there's, there's those deals of like we're rolling on each other, we would steamroll, you know, all those different kind of things. There's touch. Because I want my kids to know what appropriate touch is. Because I want my daughter to know that whenever someone hugs you or whatever, that you can understand what the intention of that touch is and that that's a loving touch and it's not a touch for I need something from you. I want my son to understand what it means to be a man and to be hugged and to be given a noogie and all those different things and to be okay as, as a man, as a young man. Hey, this is what it looks like to be a Christian father. Now listen, I've done some stupid stuff. Some of it's been in public. I mean, sometimes basketball games, there's some refs that need some educational moments. <laughs> and I'm not proud of it. I go down and I repent and I say, listen, I, 
I'm going to help you. I've got videos. You can come over to my house. <laughs> I'll feed you. But we need to work on this. And I'm going to work on my stuff while you work on your stuff. Okay, let's come to agreement. I'm not perfect. And there literally have been moments where I am in tears in front of my kids saying, listen, I am sorry for what I've done. Not, nothing crazy, but I mean just like, hey, listen, Chris, that is dumb. And for us as parents to know that we're passing on our faith, we're passing on because I have an image of what my children and what are the characteristics and qualities and what I want them to be and what I want them to look like and what I want and how I want them to see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And that I don't have to struggle with, they don't have to struggle with some of the racial stuff, some of the, all the different things that we're still fighting. I know it's going to be there, but that they can have a little bit better judgment on that stuff than even what we've got. So the first thing is to love your Lord. The second thing, love God. The second thing is to lead your family intentionally. Look at verses 6 through 9 in Deuteronomy. And you must commit yourselves. This is literally setting down and saying, I'm making an oath, I'm making a covenant, I'm committing that this is the way that I'm going to live my life. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Right? Do not steal, do not cheat, do not lie, do not... All those things, that's what I'm committing to. I'm going to live my life according to these moral principles that I'm going to give you today. Repeat, literally impress them again and again into your children. Any of you had those, um, oh goodness, what is that stuff? My main, just my brain just went, uh, my main, my brain just went lame. Um, what is that toy that kids play with and you squeeze it and mash it? Play-Doh, thank you. So you know how you impress them and you get an image out of them? That is the idea. Okay, see, there we go. Have those moments. Impress them again and again into your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Because the opposite of impressing is to be formed into. So when you look at Romans chapter 12, God talks about, hey, you need to impress things into your children and ingrain them into your children because if not, then they're going to be conformed into the image of God. And so this impression is a repeat over and over. Talk about them whenever you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. Tie them around your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Lead your family intentionally. If you have a plan, if you have an idea of what characteristics, what qualities that you want in your children and you're wanting to pass on your faith, then intentionally talk about those things. Talk about the good things. Talk about the bad things. We talk as, as our children have grown up. We've become a little bit more honest and open in almost every area of life. Because, I, again, there's this difference between being naive and innocent. And I don't want my children to be naive about the important things, but I definitely, sure as heck, I want some innocence. And so as parents, we have to find that balance of what does it mean for our children to not be naive so they're not taken advantage of, they're not hurt because there are wolves, there are people that will take advantage of those that are naive. But if my children understand the truth but they still maintain their innocence, a lot of times the reason they maintain their innocence is because I can be authentic and real and say, listen, I've tasted of that stuff. Or I've had friends that have tasted of that stuff. And it is not life-giving. 
But if we're naive and just as parents, we just kind of put our heads in the sand and we don't talk about those important things, then we're going to wake up one day and we're going to go, why have our kids lost their innocence? It's because we want them to stay naive. We've got to find the balance between being naive and innocent and present the truth to our children. Lead them intentionally. Proverbs 22.6 says it this way, train a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not return from it. This idea of train is to initiate, to, to dedicate, to spend time literally training. Our kids play sports, and one of the things that we've learned is that as you move along those different things, that sometimes they don't listen to daddy as a coach anymore. And so you've got to invest in other people training them. And so as you go to a, a coach, they literally, they break down. So for Lauren goes to hitting lessons, and whenever they go to hitting lessons, that coach is he's talking, he's working through all these different things. He works at the, starts at the foundation, works on the basics, and he's taking video, and we're breaking every single thing down and talking about every single point. And sometimes it's like, ugh. But we're training to get muscle memory, so time after time, repeat them time after time, even when it doesn't feel convenient, even when it's at 6.30 at night or 8 o'clock at night and you've got to do extra work on your own. That's what it means for us is that we've got to, it's not necessarily always us, but to find people so we can create muscle memory time after time after time, impress the truths upon your children because when life happens and you're not around, you want them to know the truth. And you're not the truth, but you want to be presenting the truth so they understand who Jesus is because life is going to happen. If it hasn't happened by fourth grade, if they haven't heard words that they haven't heard by fourth grade, it's going to happen soon. Some of you have your children have smartphones and you would be amazed at what your children have access to. Because we've chosen naivety to teaching and protecting their innocence. We don't really want to know. Listen, church, we've got to wake up. Our culture is changing. Let's delve into it. Let's be parents that are passing on our faith and teaching them the truth so they can understand. Because the only way that you can know the truth from a lie is if you know the truth. How do they do counterfeiters? They teach counterfeiters. They don't show them a whole bunch of counterfeits. They show them the real deal. They know the real deal inside and out so that when a counterfeit comes through, there's no doubt in their mind that it's the counterfeit. Parents, we've got to spend time learning the truth for ourselves so we can pass it on and delve into it. So when our children see a counterfeit at school, among their peers, practice, wherever it is, they can go, that's a counterfeit. I may be innocent, but I know what a counterfeit is, and I want nothing to do with that. Train your children, direct them on the path so that whenever life happens, they can stay on it. They can stay on it. As parents, we have this idea of what we want our children to look like. I think in your notes when you came in in the program, on the back side of your notes, there's a little stick kid. Is that in there, right? Okay, that's your homework for this week. What are you impressing upon your children? What is most important for your children? Just draw a line from the brain and say, I want my kids to know the truth. Draw a line from their hands and say, I want my kids to be generous. Draw a line from their feet and say, I want my kids to to walk wherever they need to walk to serve, to be obedient. Whatever those characteristics are, put those things in there. Pray about it. I'm going to give you some verses here in just a second to think about. But what are some things that you want to pass on to your children? Put it on the refrigerator. Put it on, copy it. Put it on your mirror, wherever you need it, so that you can constantly be reminded of my number one task today, my number one job today as a parent and a grandparent is to pass on my faith to my children. You may be reminded of that. 
What is that image? What do you want to instill? Be intentional. Look, here are some of the things. Training from Proverbs. There's seven things I want you to see. Train them to manage God's money. Notice it says God's money, not my money, because it's not mine, it's God's. I know we work hard, but he gave us the brain, he gave us the talent and skills to get there. Train them to carefully select friends. I'd rather my kids not have any friends than to have bad ones. And that's hard. Okay? But that means that you've impressed upon them that they are the creation of God and that you care deeply about them and God cares deeply about them and that they are his and you are his and they are firm in that belief so they can make that decision if it comes to that. Train them to watch their words, to watch what they say, that their words bring life. Sticks and stones, right, may break my bones, but words, we know that that's not true. And if any of you have seen, there's some mean girls out there, right? Some of you guys are like, yeah. I know. I'm not talking about when they tell you no when you ask them out. And that means you've got to comb your hair or something. But girls are mean. I mean, they, they, we can get at it. Guys, we kind of do our little thing, and it's like, oh, hey, man, how are you doing? We're done. We get the punch in, and we're done. Train them to watch their words, that they be life-giving, encouraging. The next ones, train them to be responsible. Failure to launch. Right? I mean, there's life happening and stuff, but train them to be responsible. That that's part of it. They've got to begin to get an allowance or whatever, and they've got to start paying for their own stuff. And, and Because I, I, want my, I love my kids, and I want to be a great parent, but I want to be a grandparent with my grandkids not running around with me. Like, I want to invite my grandkids over, be them responsible. Train them to guard their minds. What are they taking in? What are they at appropriate ages? Teach them to be generous with their time, their talents, the money that God gives them. Train them to fear God. Train them to just have reverence for who God is and what he provides for them. What are you doing with your children? Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? Some of us, we're going to have some tough discussions this week between mom and dad, all the different things so that you can talk about What are we going to be doing to intentionally pass on our faith to our children? The most important job that we have is to pass on that faith to our kids. It's an ever-changing world, but the principles and truth from God's Word remain the same. Your number one priority, gradually, intentionally, transfer your faith and reliance upon you to your children so that they can totally rest upon God. Let's pray together. Father, you are a good, good father. You are completely trustworthy. You never have to say you're sorry because you're perfect. Father, you've shown us what it means to be sacrificial what it means to give up everything for those you love. Lord, I just pray for the dads in this room, the granddads in this room. I pray that, one, that they would hear that you are a provider of grace, and even though they haven't been perfect, Father, that as they pursue passing on that faith, may you just give them the energy, Holy Spirit enthusiasm for the task of being a father, because it's hard work in those moments where we're beat down and tired, that we can just give in, but Father, that those, those are the moments 
but we need to stand strong. I pray for moms and for single moms and single dads and the difficulty of, of working through that and being mom and dad and trying to do all this different stuff. Again, it's so many have said it's so easy to give up on something. So, Father, I pray that, that they would find people and community around them to support and encourage in their parenting. And Father, I pray for moms that you've, you have, um, they, they are such a gift to, to fathers or such a gift to children. And I pray that you would um, allow them just to continue to pour out grace and to continue to love and to nurture, even when they're tired as well, to just love on their kids and to see that what is that image of what they want their children to look like, what they want to pass on. Father, we are in a world of all kinds of different homes and all of that. Lord, you are a good, good father. So no matter where we're at in that, Lord, may we pursue knowing you and passing on to our children what it means to be loved by you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.